Welcome to In The Spotlight. This is a podcast brought to you by the Guild of HR Professionals in association with Lace Partners. HR Guild Spotlight Series. This is our ongoing series, Series 3 we're in now, uh, and this is focused on uh, discussions with the members of our National Leadership Programme. And today I'm joined by our guest Moira Sloman, who's on that, and we'll come to Moira in a second and introduce her, but I also am, as always, joined by the Guild's Master, Annette Andrews. And uh, Annette, welcome back. Thank you. Hello, everybody. No internet troubles this time. No, and I'm going to hold up my virtual hand now and say we did try to record this a couple of weeks ago and my internet crashed, but crashed for three days as well. So I was a bit distraught. I have to say for those listening of a fragile disposition, uh, it wasn't the content of this webcast that took down your internet. (laughs) No, Um, it wasn't. As always, looking forward to a good conversation and a a good catch up as well as we go forward. So I, I mentioned our guest, Moira. Moira, welcome. Thank you, Aaron. And for those listening in who don't know you, uh, for which there will be a few, I'm sure, you want to just give us a little bit of your your background. And and we talked about the leadership development program. You, you've joined that. It'd be great to understand uh, how far into that you are now. Sure. So if I start with my job title, so I am vice president of global HR operations at Coat. And when I was preparing or thinking about this podcast, one of the questions I had on my mind was, well, how did I make my way into HR? And I think it's fair to say that I took the road less traveled. And reflecting on my career, I had a portfolio career before it ever became a thing. I graduated with a law degree and a Master of Business Studies. And my very first job was actually on a corporate banking graduate program. And my first rotation was in the business support team, looking after lending administration for corporate and commercial loans. And I have to say, I absolutely loved the buzz of working in banking, but rolling over loans just didn't do it for me. And I still find it kind of ironic that my career to some extent has gone full circle and that some of my role covers off back office administration. Um, But but when I was in banking, I, I very quickly worked out that to get anywhere, I would need some sort of accountancy qualification. So I completed the ACCA, Certified Diploma in Accounting and Finance, while I was on the graduate program. And one day, and this is really showing my age, I spotted an ad in one of the Sunday papers when they were looking for people with that qualification for roles in management consultancy with Arthur Anderson. Gosh, I really do feel old saying this, but (laughs) I joined Anderson's about a year before the Enron story broke. And after that, I moved to Deloitte. But my focus was actually initially on finance transformation programs. And in my time, I have configured Oracle payables and expenses. But quite out of the blue, a role became available as a business adoption lead on an HR transformation program. And really, that was the turning point for me. That was I I was just hooked on HR from then on. I spent many years in management consulting, moving from Dublin to London, and I decided to make the leap into industry in 2012 after the birth of my second child when I joined the HR operations team at Barclays. So 
I actually consider myself a relative newcomer to HR, but at this point, leading a global HR operations and business partner team at Coach Technology Services, I'm beginning finally to suffer less from imposter syndrome. Do you know what's really interesting listening to you? You can feel in your voice the passion and energy you have about HR, which is really great to hear, especially during a time when everyone's been working so hard. But what a great story. You've seen it from the outside. You liked it. You've come in to the dark side, we call it. What is it? Why have you got that energy and excitement in your voice about this profession? I absolutely love HR. And we very recently, we had a coffee catch up with our CEO at Coach, um, Kerry Gilder, and she kind of summed up the whole thing for me. She said that HR is critical to realizing the business strategy. And if we can't change people, behaviors and skill sets, we're going to lose. And you know, for me, it's an incredibly exciting time to be working in HR. I mean, I'm sure you'll have felt this yourselves in the last year or so. You know, HR really has been at the forefront of responding to the pandemic. And I have to say, I felt so proud to be part of the Code HR team. You know, the crisis really required us to cut the bureaucracy, you know, roll out new policies at absolute breakneck speed. And, you know, what's interesting now, looking at data from our employee engagement survey, you can really see that uptick in engagement levels. And I'm convinced that a lot of that is down to the way in which HR responded to the crisis. But but the other thing is, I mean, HR is just evolving, you know, beyond kind of beyond anything that I could have imagined. I mean, I saw a stat this morning from Gartner where um, there was something like, I think people will have to update at least 10% of their existing skills every year. And I have to say, for some roles, that's probably the understatement of the century. But, you know, we are at the forefront as well, coach of leading on programs to look at, you know, our future ways of working, how we embrace flexibility in the workplace, as well as skills for the future, you know, how we build or buy new skills. HR has actually never been more relevant. And I mean, you look at inclusion and diversity, you look at automation and machine learning. It's it's all kind of happening all at once. And what an exciting place to be. You've also described what it is to me, and I think to Aaron as well, it's a privilege to be part of that and to be part of a business. Yes. And to be a strategic business partner, actually. You're not just an HR person, you are a business, you're adding value to the whole business, which is what certainly makes me tick about HR. That's a great way of putting it. We actually are the business, HR are front and center. And like I said, we've just never been more relevant. Mm. Yeah. And you, you mentioned you mentioned Gartner there in your in, in as you were saying, Moira. I guess who else do you look up to, you know, in the in the marketplace around HR? Where do you get your inspiration from? You know what? There are so many people and they range from obvious influencers to even just people that I have had the privilege of working with. But I'm gonna pick pick out just one, and that would be Lena Nair the CHRO of Unilever. And I think she's just so impressive. You know, the first female, first Asian and youngest ever CHRO in Unilever. And I remember one particular talk that I, that I heard her speaking and she was talking about convergence. 
And she was saying that, you know, she'd graduated with a degree in engineering and she worked her way up through HR. But I thought it was really funny that somebody gave her career advice to say that she'd make an average engineer, but a really great, you know, people person and a great HR person. And she is saying now that that HR is on this digitalization journey. The skills that she's learned from engineering on things like problem solving are really coming to the fore. Um, and I suppose from outside of HR, my team are sick of me quoting Richard Branson, but I just love Richard <laughs> Branson. <laughs> and um, I mean, I quote him all the time. We're setting our quarterly performance targets and I, I'm going to just quote it again. If your dreams don't scare you, they are too small. So those are just two examples. I'd love to great, hear who your influencers are as well, though, Aaron. It's a great, it's a great quote, Moira. And I'm chuckling to myself as you spoke about Lena there, because I'm an engineer by background. Like you, I didn't come straight into HR. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, I was told I was better with people than I was at programming. And therefore, <laughs> HR might be where I want to go. Um, and then that was, the, and the rest is history, as they say. And I think they, whoever gave me that advice at the time, whoever recognized that was 100% uh, right. And I think you're, you're right. Those base skills around problem solving, around engineering, yeah. that sort of yeah. systems-based thinking are so critical right now in what we do as a, as a function and as a profession. And we need to build more of that capability. It's yeah. it's interesting. I, I take a lot of my inspiration from people I've worked with historically and people who have been my bosses along the way. And, and I always remember uh, I worked for a gentleman called David Evans at one point. Uh, who used to he learned his trade in, in, in Ford uh, before I came across and met him inside Accenture. And I, I guess he always used to say to me, "HR is no place for you if you like people, yeah. if you're passionate about. <laughs> but if you're passionate about people, then this is the right place to be." And I, and I, and I guess that was one of the things that's always stuck with me. So the the job is not necessarily one, as you know, that that always endears you to people. But if you've got a passion for the power that people can bring to a business, then this is the, place, this is the profession to be in. That's yeah. so true. And you do have to obviously take some really tough people decisions as well along the way. Especially, I think, as you had to do during COVID. And, but I think as you've shown, as you mentioned there around the statistics for your own engagement, I've heard this with a lot of other organizations, and I'm sure you have as well, treating people with respect, mm -hmm. being transparent with care through this, through this pandemic has, for a lot of businesses, helped on engagement it's driven up a better engagement for people and a closeness to their business it, it definitely has mm. sorry i think you were going to jump in yeah no i was just going to say you're taking some inspiration i you know i take inspiration from it's those little nuggets from different people you come across throughout your career or outside but i read barack obama's biography recently oh, yeah. book one i don't know if anyone else has listened to it but from an audible perspective audible you know, walking around in my long walks, the bit I would say struck me, which you've just both talked about, is inspirational leader, leadership, authentic mm. leadership, and the human touch. Mm. And that just resonates in his book. And it really struck me how just how important that is during these times. It sure is. And I was I was talking about our CEO and, you know, she makes it her business to go around and actually speak to all of the teams. And she enjoyed it so much that she has done it again this year. But one of my team members commented that one of the things he really likes is that she's just willing to share those personal stories. And I think that's what really resonates with people. Yeah. It's really fascinating is that I was working at one point with a cruise line company, quite a large one in, in, in across Europe, and they 
had a new HR, a, a new CEO. Uh, and one of the first things that he did, rather interestingly, well, apart from buy a stand-up desk before COVID made them fashionable, he, he moved his office and got rid of it and put his stand-up desk in the middle of the floor. And he just made himself completely accessible. And, and therefore, he was in the heart of it. People could approach him and talk to him. Now, clearly, he had an area he'd go to when he was doing sensitive meetings and those sorts of things. But, um, you know, he deliberately took that step to make himself accessible. And it was su- it had such a profound impact on that business and the way in which people saw engagement and knew that the leadership needed to be authentic. Mm. We're, we're moving into, aren't we, talking about the challenges for this year. We've, we've, mm. we've had news about... Hopefully, we've got everything crossed that we're going to have these steps back to what the new normal because it won't be the same. But really interested in understanding from your business perspective, Maura, what some of the challenges are going to be from an HR and people perspective, but also from a business, overall business perspective, because it's never going to quite be the same again. And people are going to have different expectations. They sure will. And to a certain extent, I feel like HR is almost being asked to have the crystal ball and look into the future. And, and quite honestly, we just can't make those decisions right now. I mean, we surveyed our workforce twice in the last 12 months or so just to see how people felt in the current environment and how they were likely to feel in the future about returning to the office. And on both occasions, I mean, the, the stats were just staggering about, I mean, 90, 95% of people wanted to actually operate either hybrid or fully remote. And I think it's difficult for people to kind of decouple themselves from the current situation and what life might be like in the future. And I think there are many, many advantages to being able to offer more flexibility. I mean, you can open up new talent pools. It offers more flexibility. You can attract more diverse talent. But but equally, there are some frustrations. And I guess a couple for me personally, I I call it bedroom fatigue, you know, being just so sick of working in your bedroom office. And I mean, I am really looking forward to having some form of social contact. Um, But one that I feel is a real disadvantage a lot of the time for remote working is actually collaboration. And I think the amount of meetings that we attend has gone up because it is not quite as easy to collaborate, no matter how good your technology is um, in a remote world. So I think certainly forecasting what are people's work patterns going to be like in the future and how can we accommodate that? How can we exploit that to make the right decisions in terms of our real estate footprint? Those are really, really important. But of course, also taking people back to the office safely. And for Coat as a business, I mean, a few years ago, you would have described us as a telco. I think increasingly we are becoming a tech co and we are competing for very scarce skills and skills for the future is a huge topic for us. um, And that's something that we are massively, massively focusing on. But I think the other area is the whole area of mental health and well-being. And one of the things, I mean, the engagement survey results for Coat were absolutely phenomenal. But I do worry about what somebody termed the COVID bounce. You know, um, is there going to be a problem in the future with engagement once, you know, you know, when people have been working in these conditions for such a long period of time? But but I like to end on a positive. I think I think mainly remote working offers such huge possibilities for the future, and we really need to get it right. And we've got the opportunity to get it right. It's fascinating, isn't it? In the and I'm a born optimist. 
Right. Every crisis or pand- pandemic will come a different world, an opportunity in that world. And what it's done is, I think, and I use the term, helped us leapfrog in our thinking into yep. how we can live and work, mm-hmm. how we can tap into talents, etc. So I think you're right. Global talent, the op- the ability to work in a much more agile way from yep. whatever location. But but you're spot on with people just are more creative, aren't they? When they collaborate more, when yep. they're physically together, and we all need that social connection. So I can getting out this crystal ball envision a world where people work in the office two to three days a week max yeah they just come together for collaboration and creation creativity work but actually it's a global talent pool that might not all be permanent they come in and out for mm-hmm. your point you know technical skill sets that are needed at a certain time yeah underpinning that is way more focused now on well-being, particularly mental well-being, which I think is a positive because it was still in a bit of a Pandora's box, wasn't it? It absolutely mm. was. Yeah, I think it, it, this this retaining the muscle that we've developed through COVID about how to engage people, how to have you know, a much more open leadership dialogue and communication, uh, which we needed to develop as part of coping mechanisms for for COVID. Yeah, how how to not lose that when we come back is one of the big questions I think for us as a profession. How do we how do we stop people falling back to the ways they used to operate, and how do we take the best of that new leadership mechanism and help reinforce it and keep it running? That's probably for me one of the biggest elements, and I think as you say, it leads to all those those other things around mental health and well being. And but uh, you know, someone phrased to me yes, I think just yesterday they said, you know, we've we've created a dividend for ourselves of good behaviors through COVID and we want to, we want to pay that out and make sure we keep that going. I completely agree. I mean, if you look at how quickly we were able to turn things around as well during the crisis, Mm -hmm. hopefully taking the good and learning from that and replicating that in the future and compensating for the areas that don't work as well. Yeah. You talked before about the speed of change and the way that you're so proud of your team and organisation, the way they've reacted, wouldn't it be great to maintain that and lose some of that bureaucratic drag that we put in place in the past? We put it in place. All of us put it in place. It absolutely would. And that's certainly going to be a focus for coach for the future as well, for sure. Should we move to the leadership programme? We should. (laughs) Because Moira, you you have a new role. I do. You mentioned that before. And it's quite an interesting one, right? It's an extension of operations into business partners so i guess it gives you a different lens now for the for the ldf and what you're going to learn from that leadership program it definitely does and so i have recently in addition to the hr operations team i've I've taken on business partnering and operations my, my operations role was already quite big i have hr technology payroll the global hr service center employment relations and policy under that role but now i'm combining that with hr business partners i'm looking by the way for a job title (laughs) so we haven't quite landed yet we were thinking hr service delivery and some of the business partner teams didn't like that and we need to think about something so i might be picking your brains at some point in the future for that but Mm. i think the leadership development program and it's coming at absolutely the right point for me. And it's for me, it's about formalizing what I've learned on the job, but also expanding my network and expanding my mind to the latest thought leadership, 
when I worked in consulting, and you'll know this, Aaron, very, very well indeed, you're constantly exposed to very senior people at a relatively early stage of your career. You're constantly exposed to thought leadership. I think you've got to work a little bit harder at it when you are in industry. You can tend to be, if you're not careful, very inward looking. And this program gives me a lot of that kind of exposure. And I'm working with a fantastic mentor as well, Chris Woodman. And Mm. you know when people just ask you the right questions, Chris has, I've discovered he asks absolutely the right questions. Uh, So that's been great as well. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. And uh, anyone who has ideas um, for the naming of Moira's uh, (laughs) function, please send them in via postcard. We will accept them. Um, No, it's it's, it's an interesting combination and not one I've seen before, but I think your take on how how that combination of things uh, gives you um, line of sight clear line of sight between the business and the business partners and operations and the activities they're doing is, is a really good key key on that I think the, the leadership development program I know you've you've had a number of master classes along the way Moira any favorites yet oh, all of them I mean I really don't have a favorite we had our, our first one was on the future of work and it was one of those sessions where I think the the actual master class was about an hour and a half. And I looked at my watch and I realized we had 10 minutes to go. And I, I just thought it, it was absolutely brilliant, really relevant topics. Um, we also had one on HR analytics, which I loved. And in fact, one of the speakers came and spoke to my team and their minds were just absolutely blown. And the most recent masterclass we've had was in the area of reward. And that's mm-hmm. one of the areas that I've identified as a development area for me, because um, there are certain aspects of reward that I have quite a lot of knowledge about pensions being one um, because we've led a big pensions project at Coat, but there are other areas that I'm less exposed to. And it was just fantastic having the opportunity to really hear what are the key themes at the forefront, you know, sort of best practices in reward right now. So that that's been great. I'm already looking forward to the next one, which I think is on leadership development, is it? Or yeah, I think one of us might be participating in that. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Quite excited about the discussion, to be honest. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, I, I'm going to wrap us up, if that's all right, on this podcast and leave us with some thoughts. And I'm going to ask Annette to join in on this one as well. So, Moira, what, what would the advice you'd give to someone coming into HR? I mean, you've clearly had a, an interesting journey and, as you say, through that portfolio. What, would you, what advice would you give to someone joining the profession? So I've got three things. Firstly, be curious and never stop learning. So every role, no matter if it's literally filling in numbers on a paper slip to roll over alone, or whether it's you know developing our talent strategy, every role is an opportunity to learn. May sound cliche, but I firmly believe that. Second point, and I am going to plagiarize slightly from a phrase that I heard on one of the Deloitte predictions reports, and that's expect the magic. And technology has advanced so much. Automation and machine learning opens up so many possibilities in HR. It's an area that we really haven't fully exploited in HR. And it's one that offers an immense possibility. And the last one then for me would be don't stand still, keep improving. And, you know, when Andy Murray won the men's singles at Wimbledon in 2013, he was asked, how did he do it? And he said, it wasn't any one thing but it was constantly improving the little things. And for me, that's what's important. And that's what makes for a great employee experience. 
Excellent. Great advice. Great advice. Thanks, Moira. And, and Annette, what about yourself? I knew he was going to come to me next. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, having been in HR for a long time now, I think there's a couple of key important things to remember when you're in HR. Never forget the customer. It's all too easy to get wrapped up in your own business and in your own function and your day-to-day job, but never forget the customer because guess what? Their needs change, but also they are a reflection of what you need to be providing for your employees as well. The other one is you're not just an HR person, you're a business person. You need to think commercially. You need to keep adding value to the business. You almost, and this is I think this is always the greatest compliment any HR person can get, is when they are asked to represent or stand in for or cover someone a business person's you know role or be them externally at an event because that is a compliment but you need to be able to step in their shoes to do that and finally i'm with with you maura it is constant learning you never know the world is changing so much i think it's quite important that hr professionals are one step ahead of what might be happening to preempt that change fantastic excellent excellent I was going to just finish with one of my thoughts on advice, which would be get out of HR. Uh, And what I mean, what I mean by that is, I guess you started touching on it there, Annette, at some point in your HR career, go and work in the business. Yeah. Do do a role there, even if it's just a secondment and get yourself back. But that that relevance to the to the business is just as you, especially as you get more senior in your career will come more and more to the fore. So that's that's my my one little nugget of advice. Thank you, Moira. It's been an excellent talking to you today. Really appreciate it. I'm going to close this down. If you want to listen into the podcast, you can on normal channels. And don't forget ideas on a postcard for Moira's new yes, job please. title. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron.